0: Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You
1: work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff.
2: Rich Valdez, Valdez. columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America.
1: Uh, Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez.
2: All right, America, what's going on? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, and I am 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden right here in New York City. Welcome to the world-famous Talk Radio 77 WABC. Stop what you're doing. Pull up a chair. Make sure you pay attention for the next hour. We have a lot to cover. uh, cover. I'm going to give you the 800 number so you can join the conversation. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Of course, if you want to get at me on social media, you're welcome to do that as well. At Rich Valdez with an S. At Rich Valdez. Now, unity and healing. Ah, the sweet sounds of unity and healing. We can begin healing as soon as we eradicate the problems that we have. The current political conversation, in some ways, is a totalitarian one. It's my way or the highway. Gone are the days of civil debate. Independent thought has been frowned upon. Censorship is now revered. People now hate you based on your political opinions instead of your actions. I used to host red carpet parties for different important uh, charities and movements and things like that music education in, uh, in urban areas and schools and stuff like that. And these parties, I would have all sorts of people come and join me at these parties. People like Curtis Sliwa, people like the actor Stephen Baldwin, people like my guy Tretch from Naughty by Nature, rappers, all sorts of people. In my network, people that I, I consider friends and people that care about good causes. Today, we have political disagreements as well as the disagreements over anything. You know, it could be football, it could be religion, it could be anything. But it seems that we're now using political disagreements as a litmus test for interaction with other people. I don't care if you love Bolshevik Bernie Sanders or if you love El Trompito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente. I'd prefer if you didn't you know, uh, care about Bernie Sanders and his craziness. But I can respect the differences because it's called tolerance. However, bigotry has become so widely accepted. Why? Well, I think it's the the current norm is to say, you know, it's okay to mistreat people once the media has dehumanized you. If you're a Trump supporter, you're a hateful racist. Therefore, you're no longer a legitimate person. So it's okay to hate you in a guilt-free way. This is exactly what we saw in history. This is what was done by uh, the SS. This is what was done by the uh, racist Democrats in the South. They wanted to dehumanize black people. They wanted to dehumanize people all across the board. And now the latest movement is to dehumanize Americans, in particular Trump supporters. So is that the way that we should be? Is that the way we should go? Hell no. That's a tremendous lie. And you, all of the wonderful listeners here on WABC, you're way too smart to fall for that. That's why there's this piece in the New York Post that, to me, makes a lot of sense. And it's really long, so I can't really read it to you, but I can cherry-pick a couple of pieces. And the title is, Why U.S. Hispanic Conservatives or the U.S. Hispanic conservative movement is surging even without Trump. Now, I would argue that that's true outside of Hispanics, but it just happens to be that I am your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here at WABC. So I'm going to read you this piece, uh, at least a couple of pieces, from Selena Zito, a good friend of the program, because it makes a lot of sense. Now, it highlights three or four people that are immigrants that came to the United States, different things. But one of the things that I think is important that the site, the, the piece cites is that 32 million Hispanics in the United States come from a variety of backgrounds. And while Biden won 66 percent of the Hispanic vote in 2020, and let me tell you, 66 percent may sound like a, a majority, which it is. But how much did Hillary Clinton win? Mm, that's the real question. When you compare Democrat to Democrat from election to election, Hillary Clinton did way better. And Biden underperformed Hillary Clinton. Now, however, Donaldus Magnus, El Trompido, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente, he actually increased his support with the Hispanic voting bloc by 4%, earning 32% overall. Now, Hispanic conservatives will likely continue to affect national politics because, well, there are more of us. In 2022, three states with large Hispanic populations in Nevada, Arizona, and Florida have Senate races that could tip the balance of power for either party. I would say it's still incredibly contentious in all of those areas because things were so, so close. I mean, you're talking about less than 100,000 votes in almost all of these areas was the uh, margin. So I think the fact that this movement will continue to grow, I think the fact that so many Hispanics realized because of the advent of alternative media, that we now have an option. We don't have to listen to uh, Univision anymore. We don't have to listen to Telemundo just by itself. There are other people out there that are sharing different opinions that don't go in lockstep with what the Democrats and their friends in the media had to say, and that's just the bottom line. So with that being said, I look at this article, and it cites one of the people that the article is about, a guy named Ricardo Cortez. And in 1983, he was growing up in Mexico City. He attended JFK High School, where he thought Republicans were evil racists. And his teachers hung posters of Che Guevara in the classrooms. Him saying, I'm pretty sure they were all socialists. Now, he came to the country illegally at the age of 19, immediately settling in Texas, joined a church, got a great job, started listening to politics found himself gravitating towards Ronald Reagan. The Republican Party lined up with his beliefs, is what he says. Fiscal responsibility, less government. So he became a Republican. He got married and became a legal citizen in 1992. He spent 24 years running a a cleaning business. So you look at something like this, and it's somebody here, he's saying, this is the American dream, no handouts. Just earning your way from nothing to something. That's what economic conservatism is all about. Next story that they put in here that I think is just fascinating. Maria del Carmen Guzman Huiz, her mother fled Cuba with her years ago. Now she's in Colorado fighting for American values. She came here to embrace religious freedom, faith, and the rejection of socialism. This is not a story that's particular to these people. These are stories that so many people share and have in common. This is what it's all about. People are in love with the American dream. People love to be here in America. People want to participate in American exceptionalism. People want to be able to say, you know what, we don't have to accept a media that is one-sided. So when the one-sided media comes at any alternative media, whether it's talk radio saying that we have conservative biases in our commentary, good for them and good for us, right? That's what I say. We welcome the more the merrier. We believe in heterodoxy when it comes to a diversity of thought We're not going to sit here and have hegemonic groupthink. Why on earth would we do that? What kind of conversation can you really have when you you don't have anything that you could disagree about? This is, to me, the bottom line. Now, something else that I want to get into today, and we're going to get into it in a little bit, but we're going to talk a little bit about 17 executive orders that Joe Biden has signed to uh, pretty much undo so much of what Trump did in his administration. Then you have 17 Republicans that are still needed in order to secure— a removal from office or whatever, a conviction. And quite frankly, many constitutional scholars, former Department of Justice officials, they say it's just not possible. You cannot remove someone from office that's already out of office legally, and there's someone else in the office. So to say that they're going to disqualify him on those grounds or try to censure him or something like that, sounds like they're reaching. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. We're going to get into that in a little bit. We also have Amy Klobuchar later, who's talking about impeachment, plus Did Joe Biden make a move in one of those executive orders to end girls' sports? And before we wrap, I want to get into a little bit on what happened with this latest arrest by the U.S. Marshals. I think it's something that you won't believe because you don't hear too much of that in the news media. But I want you to keep it locked right there. I invite you to give us a call, 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America.
1: He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez.
2: All right, New York City, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, here in the brand new studios of Talk Radio 77 WABC on the east side. And this weekend, it's Ramsey Mazda Sunday with Sinatra. Joe Piscopo is the host of 8 to 10 Sunday nights. It's the music you love from the chairman and the vice chairman of the board. That's our buddy Joe Ramsey Mazda Sunday nights with Sinatra with Joe Piscopo. This Sunday night at 8 p.m. And that, of course, is following Lydia Serrani, who's coming up right after me. And a big shout-out to my buddy Dominic Carter, who uh, opened up the afternoon of talk here at 77 WABC. Now, we were just talking about a bunch of different things and how... One congressperson believes that our constitutional rights are under attack, and that would be Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. Congresswoman Gabbard, she says to Joe Biden in a tweet, At Joe Biden, your leadership is needed now to denounce those like John Brennan and Adam Schiff, who are advocating for targeting half the country as potential domestic terrorists truly unite the American people around our Constitution and the rights that are endowed to us by our Creator. And that's Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. She's from Hawaii. Now, Tulsi Gabbard, I, I love the fact that she has a little bit of an independent streak. Of course, that independent streak pushes her over to the Bernie column instead of to, you know, the uh, any column on our side. But either way, the point is, I appreciate that she can call out the the Democrat establishment. Honestly, the way I appreciate it, when my least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, Alexandria ocasio Cotes, AOC, all out crazy, she calls out Chuck and Nancy, and I'm glad that she does that also. I don't really support her in anything, but I think it's great that she calls them out, and I love that they're having that infighting within the Democrat Party, because that's probably the best way to see that party crumble. But that being said, I want you to hear what Tulsi Gabbard had to add to that with respect to this conversation when she was on Fox News. Check this out.
0: Were you we surprised at pushing forward with this uh, extra surveillance on would-be domestic terror? Uh, it's so dangerous. You know, as you guys have been talking about, this is an issue that all Democrats, Republicans, Independents, Libertarians should be extremely concerned about, uh, especially because we don't have to guess about where this goes or how this ends.
2: We don't have to guess. This is what we need to know. Everyone should be concerned about their constitutional rights. And this is something that I really appreciate because I think – Oftentimes, people will call and say, oh, you know, the left and all oh, the right. And, you know, um, in my alter ego, when I'm not Rich Valdez from Talk Radio 77, WABC, I am Mr. Call Screener from The Mark Levin Show. And you can hear that right here on WABC, 6 to 9 p.m., Monday through Friday. And I speak with so many people from across America. And one of the things that I hear, one of the critiques I hear, they say, oh, we're the left, the right, the this. And, and the great one will say, we're not, we're not right wing. We're constitutionalists. And I agree with what he says. I believe that, you know, the Constitution should be the middle. The Constitution should be the basis, the foundation for everything that we build on. And I think that's the position that Tulsi Gabbard is taking when she says, and I'm going to repeat it, your leadership, President Biden, is needed now to denounce those like John Brennan, former CIA director, and Adam Schiff, who are advocating for targeting half the country as potential domestic terror threats. We truly have to unite the American people around our Constitution and the rights that are endowed to us by our creator. Now, she's going to take heed for that because, you know, Democrats don't believe that our rights come from our creator. Democrats believe that their rights come to us from the massive government that we have. But that's what's going on, and I want you to mull on that for a minute and take a thought and give me a call. 1-800-848-9222. The phone lines are open. one 848 Let's go to Ron in New City, New York. Ron, what's going on? You're on
3: with Rich Valdez. Hi. How are you? Hi. Hello? You keep talking about winning back Congress in two years.
2: I you know, actually have never was, said such words, sir.
3: Two elections. Was President and Senate went. Particularly sir, in Georgia. sir,
2: did you hear me say winning back Congress anywhere?
3: I'm hoping that you're going to win back. All the, right, the hold Spanish on. Listen, sir. As,
2: Hello, sir. Earth to Ron. Ron, can you hear me, Ron? Can you hear me? Are yes, you there, loud Ron? And clear.
3: Okay. You did not say win back Congress. I'm okay, sorry. Okay, so w- I, what is your point, sir? My point is that I think that in the future, elections are going to be more determined by who counts the ballots than by who actually voted. It's a great point. what happened in the national election and what happened in Georgia.
2: You know who made that point first was uh, Joseph Stalin. And when Stalin made that point, this is exactly what he meant. He meant it's way more important to have the people who count the votes than the people who cast the votes because those are the ones that determine it. You're right, Ron. That's exactly how— These banana republics and socialist bastions that have existed throughout time like the USSR and the um, CCP and others, this is how they exist. They put on the sham of an election and then they go, yeah, we already know who the winner is going to be because I'm the guy with the power. But I do agree with you. We – the problem is and I think the point that you're making is what's the point in the democratic process? What's the point in following the constitution and voting if someone's going to go and cheat anyway? To that I say – What's the point of me coming to work if I know that homicide rates are up in New York City? What's the point of me coming to work here in the city if I know that people are getting mugged? We don't think that way. That's not how it works. What's the point? We have 50 states in America. If I had President Trump on right now and I would say, how many states are you challenging? He would say six, eight at most. So that means there's 40 plus states. The majority of America had no issues with, with any type of election challenge. So I don't think it's fair to say that the system is gone and it's completely unreliable. We know that in 1960 this happened. We know that this happened during the, the time of Abraham Lincoln. We saw these things happen before and we saw who? El Trumpito de Naldes Magnus, the 45th president of these United States. He beat the system and he won in 2016. So where there's a will, there's a way. What we have to do is be really strong, I think, as Americans and more so as New Yorkers. And really, you know, put our big boy pants on and win the next election that we can win. Because giving up is clearly not an option. I appreciate your call, Ron. Let's go to William and South Amboy. William, what's on your mind? How's it going, Rich? Great what, show. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, what was I going to say? I, I, I caught something in the New
4: York Times. Uh, they were talking about uh, these shelters that are being constructed in Berlin
3: and uh, where they could house a uh, homeless people. Do you know if Tulsi
2: Gabbard men- was at one of those shelters in Berlin?
3: No no it's it can be exposed outside like put in a field where they could mm-hmm. climb in and cover themselves so they
2: wouldn't die in the streets yeah. and uh, and we have a lot right, Well, of- I appreciate that. I don't know what you're talking about. Obviously, we're talking about Tulsi Gabbard, the Constitution, and uh, the conservative movement growing within the Hispanic community, even in spite of Trump's absence moving forward. But again, William, thank you for paying attention. You get an A for effort on that one. Let's go to Murray in New City, New York. Murray in New City, you're on with Rich Valdez.
4: Yeah, Richard, my, my whole thing is the impeachment issue. Mm-hmm. And if you constantly read and badger the American public that listens to you, we'll all see how false and pretentious these charges are because I believe it says a a president can be impeached for high treason and misdemeanors and removed from office. He's not the president, and the question is, did he do these crimes? He's not the
2: president. He's not in office. You're right.
4: You and me, we can both be impeached. Because we're local citizens, and we're going to say X, Y, Z is not a governor or government or Biden, whatever it is. And so it seems to me it seems to me a squelching of our freedom of speech. What they're really trying to do, and intimidate us by trying to uh, you know put the uh, jo- oh, what's his name. Yeah, well, um, it
2: sounds like what I hear you saying is you know if you don't agree with us, we're going to prostitute our parliamentary procedures, and we're going to try and impeach you or squelch your speech some way. Uh, however we can. How, because there's nothing in the Constitution that will make a private citizen impeachable. Of course. <laughs> I mean, it's clear as day. You're making the best point that anybody could make. It, it, how could you How could you kick somebody of, out of office that's not in office? How could you prevent them from running for office again if, if in fact, they're not in office? And I think they're going to try it, but I don't think they're going to be successful. And I, I agree with you. Now, I have a question for you because what I think you're talking about goes right into the stuff we're talking about with Tulsi Gabbard, which I think is is really a, a huge headline here that you have a sitting congresswoman who was a former presidential candidate for her party, and she's saying we have to protect the Constitution. That former CIA Director John Brennan calling for what he's calling for uh, is actually in effect, and Adam Schiff is putting a target on the backs of half of America. What do you think about that, Murray?
4: Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler be impeached? They
3: should They're
4: should be. trying to squelch our freedom of religion and thought. <laughs> One goes with the other according to Jeffersonian theory yeah. and Locke. They're not not—they're not
2: independent.
4: Your thinking goes according to what you're saying, and your saying goes according to what you're thinking.
2: So Great point, 100%. Be- I agree with you. I think you make a lot of sense, and I, I wish more uh, Americans would read John Locke because I think we'd have a better understanding of what it was that the founders intended. So thank you for your call. And again, our telephone number is one 800 848 Ninety-two twenty-two one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Let's go to Sean in Brooklyn. Sean, what's on your? What's up? You're on with Rich Valdez. Yes, does.
1: hi. I just wanted to say I first of all enjoy the show and Thank everything. Um, I there's one upside, and as much as I feel bad that Donald Trump is going through this terrible impeachment and all this, it must be to him. The upside is that it's taking time away from them going forward with their radical agenda. Um, them wasting their time with something that's not going to change really
2: anything. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, of course, the 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 attack on Trump is, in my opinion, a distraction in many ways. They're just trying to you know, it's it's a twofer. We wanna distract from the things that we want to do. But the Democrats have—and I shouldn't even say all Democrats, but I'll say the The, Democrats—the radical wing of the Democrats, which truly has affected, right? I mean, Nancy Pelosi may not be as radical as AOC, but guess what? Nancy Pelosi became as radical, if not more radical, than AOC. Why? Because she has to compete with AOC. And that being said, here's the thing. They have to um, make a point. So the way the Democrats make a point is not based on logic. They just—they create this problem, then they have—they expect— your emotional reaction to it. And they think, man, we've got this thing figured out. You know, we're, the American people are going to be on our side. The storming of the Capitol, Trump did it. Oh, then Trump must be bad. And this is how they do it. And, of course, it's one lie after another, but that's how they do it. Now we've got Al and Parsippany. Al, what's going on?
1: Yeah, how are you doing, Mr. Valdez? Love your show. Thank well, you, God sir. bless you. There's something Likewise. I'd like to share with you, I mean, concerning the Constitution and the military. The military is is, is supposed to defend the Constitution against foreign and domestic terror or treason, and and, and among other things. I'm pretty sure that Mark Levin knows a lot more about this than I do. But the thing of it is, uh, the original date where a president would would have been inaugurated was March 4th until the Constitution Mm -hmm. was amended back in, I think it was 1871. Mm -hmm. Does anybody wonder why the military still has a lot of troops at the Capitol and that, that fence is still around there and a wall surrounding it?
2: Yeah, well, I can speak to that a little bit. President Trump issued a state of emergency in Washington, uh, D.C. about a week ago, maybe a little more than a week ago, dated through the 24th of January to ensure the peaceful transition of military power of all presidential executive power and authority. And I think we've achieved that, you know, despite my dissatisfaction with it. That happened. I saw it on TV. I talked about it. We've seen the video. It happened. So the military's there through the 24th, and little by little, they're being drawn back and scaled back. The commander-in-chief now is a guy named Joe Biden. He happens to live at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I wish I could kick him out. I hope I get a chance to. But He's there. If he chooses to extend the amount of time that they're going to be there and extend that state of emergency, he can. He may not have the justification, but he doesn't need any justification because, again, he's the commander in what? In chief, which ultimately means that there is no more authority. Because we have a civilian-run government, that means it's a civilian ultimately that runs the military. The military is not uh, above the civilian commander-in-chief, it's beneath it. And that's just how it works. All the generals report to the commander-in-chief. So I think after the 24th, if these guys are still there past the middle of this week, it is likely because Biden wants them there. I have a feeling we're going to see that begin to dissipate. But I do appreciate your call, Al. Thank you for giving us a call from Jersey, Jersey in the building. And we'll go with one more before we uh, get to the next topic. Naomi and Q Gardens. What's up? You're on with Rich Valdez. <laughs>
3: here's the thing. I totally agree with the callers that they set up a straw man, these radicals, and then they knock it down to distract the country. But it's so horribly uh, destructive for our country and for President Trump and his family. I have to write a letter. They have to stop this ridiculous impeachment waste.
2: Yeah, you're 100 percent right. I appreciate that, Naomi. And to me, that's one of the more commonsensical approaches to this whole thing is, how is it that we're going to have a an impeachment for somebody that—it doesn't really matter anymore whether we impeach him or not. This is truly overkill, right? It doesn't matter. The in, The inauguration's happened. They're really just trying to, to make sure that they—he's got a black eye. Get up, get up, get up. Boom, they want to try and hit him again. This is terrible. It's, it's not statesmanlike for Joe Biden to allow this to happen. He should really try and score some cheap, cheap, cheap political points by stepping in and saying— Ya yeah, basta. Enough is enough. We're not going to go through with this impeachment. I have my agenda. Let's focus on my first 100 days in office and let's keep it moving. But keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. Our telephone number is 800 848 9222. We're going to get to your calls plus those other topics that I mentioned to you. Talk Radio 77 WBC.
1: This is America. It's. Para Ingles, o Primal Número dos. Para Rich Valdez, E. Y- Esto es America,
3: ahora.
2: All right, New York City, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, and we are here at Talk Radio 77 WABC. Our telephone number is 1-800-848-9222, 800-848-WABC. And last week when we were together, we spoke about Andrew Yang and something that's been known as Bodega Gate. Now, the Bodega Gate that Andrew Yang uh, was caught up in was, of course, he went into a, you know, kind of like a gourmet deli and did a, I don't know if it was an Instagram Live, Facebook Live, but he did a live video. And he talks about the pickles and this and that, and he buys some sort of uh, bar and a banana and a green tea or something like that. And, you know, he's talking about the Breakfast of Champions, and I'm thinking you probably couldn't even buy those things in a real bodega anywhere here in the city because, of course, he was in a gourmet um, eatery. But all that being said, I'm looking at an article in The Lowdown, News from the Lower East Side, and it says, Following Bodega Gate, Andrew Yang heads for the Lower East Side. Did you catch Yang on the Lower East Side last week touring the Essex Street Market, checking in at the Pickle Guys, or hanging out at Frank's Bike Shop on Grand Street? Well, the New Yorker dubbed it part of a social media uh, authenticity blitz after the newly announced mayoral candidate was stung by Bodega Gate. And that's what they're calling it. That's so silly. I love it, though. Yang did not grow up in the city, but has lived there for 25 years or lived here for 25 years. He's now fending off criticism for referring to a place called Seven Brothers Famous Deli in Hell's Kitchen. That's where he claims to live as a bodega, failing to vote in most mayoral elections and relocating his home to the Hudson Valley during the pandemic. Now, of course, the article says New York City's uh, politics are a tough game. But as the Gotham has pointed out, there's also a question of fairness in the criticism of Yang as a real New Yorker. And it goes on and on and on. You should check it out if you want to. But the point was, there's this question of authenticity when it comes to including Yang as a New Yorker. And, of course, we've got a lot of people here in our in our orbit, courtesy with John Katzimatidis, that are you know talking about a potential run for mayor. And these are guys that I think would make a world of difference and really drastically improve the quality of life here in the city. But then you have guys like Yang that are coming in saying, oh, listen, vote for me because, A, I'll go into a, a gourmet luxury deli and call it a bodega, and B... I'll send you a thousand bucks a month so you could stay home. This isn't how we're going to improve New York City. It's not how we're going to improve America. Excluding people, or including people, or this and that—all of these these um, approaches that we have to things that are not based on the Constitution, not based on reality, not based on common sense—they don't help. They just don't help. These guys, I think, are adding fuel to the fire. When I see these guys, I'm talking about Yang, I'm talking about Biden. In many ways, uh, you, you do need a cooler head, like perhaps Tulsi Gabbard, who's trying to bring things back saying, you know, forget what Brennan had to say. Forget what Schiff is saying. We have to focus on things that matter, things that are real and things that work for the city. Now, before we get into the next one, I just want to say it's, to me, it's important that we we don't go too crazy trying to change things up. It's part of the reason I'm reticent to, uh, Andrew Yang's philosophy or campaign, um, premise? Well, because we've lived life where it's worked for the most part, and you know, something's broke, you can fix it, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? That's the old saying. Now, Joe Biden, he's catching some heat now, editorial in the Wall Street Journal, where he's under fire, or at least getting critiqued, saying that from his first day, and one of the executive orders, one of the 17 executive orders that he signed, is now putting an end to girls' sports. And this is an interesting point. This is a piece by Abigail Schreier. Amid inauguration day talks, blah, 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 glass ceilings, this and that, there's an executive order on preventing and combating discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation. On day one, Mr. Biden placed all girls' sports and women's safe spaces in the crosshairs of the administrative state. The order declares, quote, Children should be able to learn without worrying about whether they will be denied access to the restroom, the locker room, or school sports. Ellipsis. All persons should receive equal treatment under the law, no matter how their gender identity or sexual orientation. No matter, excuse me, their blah, 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 end quote. So now, the order purports to direct the administrative agencies to begin promulgating relationships and relations that would enforce the Supreme Court's 2020 decision in Bostock versus Clayton County. And it does go much further. I don't want to get into the weeds on this, but this is the criticism that he's receiving from Ms. Blade. Now, she's on the forefront of fighting for these issues, Linda Blade track and field coach, an Olympic track and field coach. She says the leadership skills and all the benefits society gets from letting girls have their protected category so that competition can be fair for all the advances of women's rights, that's going to be diminished. Miss Blade notes that the parents of teen girls are generally uninterested in watching their daughters demoralized by the blatant unfairness of a rigged competition. That's heavy duty. So I want to know what you think about this. Is it right to say that girls can no longer have their own sports, and that if a boy who believes that he is a girl can now compete in girls' sports? Now I happen to have two daughters, and neither of them, is, you know, they were competitive cheerleaders. None of them were ever, uh, you know, in in basketball or anything like that. But I think to myself, wow. If a 15-year-old boy wanted to compete against my 15-year-old girl, and I've seen the women. I have a nephew, and he, he grew a lot. You start working out. The muscle that he put on, the agility that he possesses, um, to me it seemed like an unfair advantage, a biological unfair advantage. So my thought is, should that happen? I don't know. You tell me, one eight hundred eight four eight 848 wabc 1-800-848-9222. Taking your calls on that as well as everything that we've discussed all night long. Let's go to... Jerry in Passaic, New Jersey. Jerry, what's up, my brother? You're on with Rich Valdez.
3: Well, what they ought to do is get them out of it if they want. Let them start a third group called bisexual transsexuals. Let them have their own group. Not a bad idea. The fairest thing. Yeah, makes sense that to doesn't me. Doesn't make sense. I mean, it's insane because now, look, Jerry, do you have... compete in the women's uh, sports? Hell no. I said, let them have their own thing. Don't let them compete against women. If they want, let them set up another group. they not boys, not girls, but people that don't know what the hell they are. You're 100% right. That would be, that's the best way. The other point I wanted to make, he's talking about something about— basically doing something with the, um, you know, the injections. How can you have that if you're allowing all these illegals to run across the border? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you know, that one audio that I heard, I heard, it was
2: a video I saw, but I clipped the audio and I played it in my podcast last week. Which, By the way, This Is America with Rich does, You can download that anywhere you like. And Jerry, that audio, the guy, he speaks great English, by the way. He sounds Filipino, but he says he's Honduran. He's coming from Honduras. And he says, Joe Biden... Promised us a hundred days and this and that and whatever that we, he's going to take care of us. So I mean, it seems like Joe is cutting deals with his friends in Honduras.
3: Well, it seems like he's saying Americans don't count, and the only ones that count now are the people that are better than we are, the people that are basically breaking the law. It makes absolutely no sense unless you're a moron or uh, you want to do you want to destroy the country.
2: Yeah. You're right. All right, let's go to uh, Boris in Forest Hills. Thank you, Jerry, for your call. I appreciate that, Jer- uh, Boris. What's on your mind? Yes. Hi. Uh, hi. Hi. Um, I have a question, uh, and there um, is a real lady in Congress, uh,
4: Acacia Cortez, and she suggested that everyone from Trump cabinet should be fired, and it's not enough; should not be hired anyway, including private companies. It's a slogan which is worth uh, 100 beans in uh, Mao Zedong China. Is mm-hmm. There is a congressional ethical committee. Is there anyone who can complain to this committee that what she's saying is just fascist slogan which should not be permitted in the United States of America?
2: You know, I wish, I wish there was, and as best I know, and again, I'm no expert, but Boris, here's what I say. The speech and debate clause of the United States Constitution allows members of Congress to have this qualified immunity in what they say when they're having speech and debate. So I think, you know, that along with the First Amendment, there's probably nothing that can happen to her. But to me, what really needs to happen is to have informed patriotism and informed citizenry like you so that when you hear words like that, you say, what the bleep? What is going on here? How could a sitting member of Congress say such a thing that is so reminiscent of the USSR, of Mao Zedong's China, of even Xi's China? It's clearly an authoritarian, totalitarian approach to if you don't do what we say, we will come at you and we will come for your neck. That's what they do. That's how they roll. And it's very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. And they try to cancel them. I I saw an article that said that they're calling on them to have no more book deals, to have no more anything. They don't want them to have any success. They want to completely cancel these people. For what reason? I don't understand. I mean, what is the benefit of having somebody that worked for Trump or was a Trump supporter become poor so that they can now become one more person that we have to rely on with with public welfare? It's the stupidest thing, and obviously, you know, I'm being facetious. I understand why they want to do it. It's political retribution, and uh, honestly, it's political discrimination. And that's something that I think really to have free— Politics, free speech, when it comes to politics in America, we need to ensure that by having political opinion, political identity added as a protected uh, protected class under the uh, federal code. Otherwise, I think this is going to continue to happen. They can say, hey, look, you can't fire them for for their race. You can't fire them for their sexual orientation. You can't fire them for their religion. But you can fire them if they're a Republican. You can fire them if they're a Democrat, and it shouldn't be that way. Uh, I think that, uh, sadly, is one of those areas that people are being discriminated against, and we we need to rise above that. Let's go to Lorna in Long Island, New York. Lorna, what's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez.
4: Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I was wondering how somebody like um – Mitch McConnell gets away with murder because I learned that he found out from the sergeant at arms for the Senate, who obviously reports directly to Mitch McConnell, the, about the riot prior to January 6th. It was preplanned, and he knew about it. He did not share that information.
2: Yeah, and you know what's more interesting, I think, is that Nancy Pelosi also knew. And again, uh, she did nothing. In fact, they um, they told the Capitol Police chief to stand down, which is I think is part of the reason why he quit, because he knew about this stuff ahead of time, had his hands tied, couldn't do much. And ended up with one of his guys getting killed with a extinguisher, a fire extinguisher to the head. This is something that hits home for me. Because my dad suffered a traumatic brain injury in 2007. And it changed his life completely. And maybe one of these days I can get into that a little bit more. But traumatic brain injuries are incredibly severe. There's so many ways that they can affect people. From how they are able to swallow after the traumatic brain injury... Uh, TBI, how they do everything, how they remember their family, their recall ability. For my dad, for instance, not to switch the topic, but he his memory was pretty much erased for about a good year. The only thing he, hey, dad, what day is it? 1974. And, that, and he remembered it clear as day. He knew everything that happened, who was on TV last night, what they said on Jeopardy. 1974 memory was great. Uh, 2007 memory, not so much. So, you know, and that was just a mild case, and he had a brain bleed and pressure on his brain, and some, there's lots of things that happened. My point is, my dad survived his brain injury. There are many people that don't. So TBI is a very serious thing, and it's, uh, and this guy obviously died from it, you know, with the, the pressure and the bleeding in the brain just was too much. And it's very unfortunate. It's horrible. And I look at that and I think, this could have been avoided if they would have taken action, if they would have been quicker to respond to the intelligence that you're talking about, Lorna, but they didn't. So I say they share in some of the responsibility for what happened overall. And did Trump get all this information? I'm sure he did, and I'm sure he passed it on to the right places, if in fact he got it. But the people that were the direct threat, the people in the Capitol, they should have done a better job. And I think you're right. It's a shame that McConnell did that. It's a shame that McConnell represents the Republican Party. It's a shame that he's been there as long as he has. It's horrible. It's horrible. But that's what it is. Let's go to Lisa in Nutley. Thank you, Lorna, by the way, for your call. Lisa, what's going on in Nutley, New Jersey?
4: Hey, Rich, I'm still working on uh, on my little project. But uh, what I would like to ask some of the callers out there who are big Biden fans, Donald Trump, when he was president, donated his entire salary. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would like to ask them, do you think Joe Biden would do the same
1: thing?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I just want to put a disclaimer out there. I am not donating my entire salary. So uh, if you are sponsors and you want my lovely voice accompanied with your product and you want to reach our lovely audience, our big audience here, uh, I'm happy to do it. And yeah, Lisa, you're right. Biden isn't going to give a penny of his salary. Uh, He's profited from government. This is what he's all about. He's always made money on this. And and he's going to continue to try and make money on this. So it's, it's it's a shame that we don't have Trump in office anymore. That was very selfless in that. But that that's the way the cookie crumbles. And thank you again, Lisa, for your call. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. Your calls and more when we come back. Plus, U.S. Marshals rescue 33 missing children in Operation Lost Angels. I'm going to give you the scoop on that. I am Rich Valdez. This is America.
1: This is America.
2: This is America. He's making podcasting
1: great again. This is America with Rich Valdez.
2: All right, New York City, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, and I host the 11 a.m. show on our sister station, the FM signal of Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's Talk Radio 107.1 FM. goes all the way out to eastern Long Island, so if you get a chance tomorrow morning, Monday through Friday, five days a week, I'm on the air 11 to noon Give me a call, same number, and check out the show on the stream. You can just stream it right from Talk Radio 77 WABC website. Just click the Talk Radio 1071 icon, and you can hear the show and join the program. And, of course, I host the This Is America podcast that you just heard about, and um, we're getting so many great reviews on that. I would love for you to check it out and listen to it. It's usually about 30 minutes, three segments, a few hard-hitting topics, boom, 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 my analysis and opinion on things. And, of course, I bring you everything that I can from all of my involvement, whether it's as a talk radio producer, talk radio host, or as an advisor to the president's or former President Trump's uh, National Diversity Coalition. I try to stay in the loop on all of those things, and I'll bring you all of that information as well. Our telephone number now, if you want to speak with me tonight and disagree with me and tell me how great I am, whichever one it is, 1-800-848-WABC, 848 Now, human trafficking is a pervasive and insidious crime that threatens the safety of our young people who are the future of communities. And that is Michael Moore, the chief of police in Los Angeles. And he said that, adding, we can only begin to take back the future of our youth with the strong partnership forged between outstanding service providers and law enforcement. Now, that's his response at a press conference because of. This arrest that I mentioned to you before the break, U.S. Marshals rescued 33 missing children in Operation Lost Angels. More than 30 children were rescued by U.S. Marshals from human trafficking in Southern California, including eight who were being sexually exploited. And this is from the FBI just the day before yesterday. The multi-day joint agency uh, task force known as Operation Lost Angels involved more than two dozen partner agencies starting on January 11th. The rescue operation recently culminated in the recovery of 33 children. That's terrific. Of the 33 children recovered, eight were being sexually exploited at the time of recovery, according to FBI officials. Two recovered multiple times during the operation. And this is a common term because this means they've been trafficked sexually. It means that Sometimes they're runaways, they have problems at home, and they get caught up in this game again. So, big, big deal. People always say that, you know, nothing's being done about this, and I'm glad to see that the FBI is making moves on this. But I want to know what your thoughts are on this and all of the other topics. Let's go to the phones, 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Andrew in Stanhope, New Jersey. Andrew, what's on your mind?
1: I'm on the side that loves you, people. And um, speaking of podcasts, I was listening to Joe Rogan, who does the um, MMA Announcing. And as far as transgender sports, he said there's actually men that compete in those against women. The one woman had her nose broken, her jaw broken, her skull fractured. So she was pummeled almost, you know, almost went into a coma. So we have to look at that, too, not just the track and field stuff. Mm -hmm. They're actually being assaulted. And my second comment, I think sometimes people could just claim that they're, feel like the other gender that day and say, oh, okay, today I feel like a woman, so i to compete. So not like authentic people that are transgender, but they just say that at the time when they want to compete. But what about the assaults? Have you heard about that women getting pummeled in MMA?
2: Yeah, it's terrible. Well, I think you raise a very decent point, which is let's say you have someone that suffers from gender dysphoria And they're like, you know, they're born biologically a male. And then they say, you know what, I want to become, I feel like I'm actually a woman. I want to be a woman. And then they start that transition process. And they say, you know what, I I think I'm actually, I was supposed to be a guy. I should have been a guy. And they go back. And this is to me the problem where how do we nail something down if today you feel like this and tomorrow you feel like that? And I'm not saying that's a thing for many people in that community. I'm just saying that's, I think, a reasonable question. So, you know, to me, the the basic standard should be however you were born. That's pretty much it. Whatever, if we take a blood test, how many Y chromosomes, X chromosomes, you know, this is how we'll identify who gets to play what sport. To me, that makes the, the most sense in the world. Uh, but we're going to get to your calls, from everybody from Carol to Laura. Let's go to Laura, and I'll get to Carol right after that. Laura, you're on with Rich Valdez. Hi, how are you? I'm wonderful. Um, thank you. So
1: I've played sports my whole life, and I'm uh, 58 years old, and I play basketball, a um, senior league with women, mm-hmm. and uh, we have to qualify in order to play senior Olympics, and um, so we had to, I experienced playing with a transgender person, and there's just no way to compete with that, and so we actually wrote a letter stating our opinion. And when you say no way to compete with that,
2: I'm what do you mean? Not.
1: Uh, well, the transgender person was had a, a male body, mm-hmm. and just you know could shoot from way past the three point area. And as good as the women are, we just didn't have the muscles that <laughs> a man does. I mean, you know, the WNBA and the, they don't mix the WN, uh, WNBA and the NBA for.
2: You're right. They don't mix them. They they never mix the two. And let's go to Carol in Yonkers. Thank you, Laura, for your input on that, Carol. What's on your well, mind? Yeah, How are you? No, we, we got. Fifteen seconds. I'm doing great.
1: Happy New Year, and I hope all is
4: well with your father. Oh, thank you. And my you. question is that I think your show is wonderful, and you explain everything perfectly, Mr. Valdez. Oh,
2: my gosh. You well, know, Carol, you thank you. The check is in the mail. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's always a pleasure to hear from callers like all of you, even the ones that disagree. Somebody the other day said I think they wanted to, to uh, physically assault me because they disagreed with me, and I say... Bring it, don't sing it, homie. Anyway, my name is Rich Valdez. I am here with you every Sunday and again at 11 a.m. Monday through Friday. Check me out on the This Is America podcast. Lydia Serrani is up next. Take care, God bless, and keep it locked right here on 77 WABC.
0: Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site